0: Welcome listeners, this is Anthony Vincent Bova, and I have an exciting podcast today to share with you. It's with a client and colleague and friend. Her name is Kathy Nelson, and she has been in STEM for her entire career. And the reason why I want to bring her on today and do actually several interviews with her is because I'm really encouraged and enlightened by her story. I think it's a beautiful story and one worth hearing and sharing. You're listening to Empowering the Communicator, where solutions to unique communication challenges are discovered, connecting you to your audience with influence and impact. With your host, Anthony Vincent Bova, leading
1: communication pain point and solution specialist.
0: So I'd like to welcome Kathy Nelson.
1: Thanks, Anthony. Great to see you.
0: Welcome, Kathy. So how are you feeling today?
1: I'm feeling good. We have finally come out of our minus 30 degree weather. So it's only been like minus 14 at night. And I'm feeling grateful for where I live because even though it's minus 30, I feel really bad for the people that are in Texas that where it's not minus 30, but it's really cold and they are not built to handle it. I have friends down there and it's a very sad place. So I'm grateful for my house and my heat and feeling a little sad about their situation.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, when you're not set up for it, there's only so much you can do, right? Mm-hmm. I hope that the uh, the weather turns for them pretty quickly and they're okay. I wanted to start off by asking you several questions about. Why don't you share with us before we get going? Why don't you share with our audience about what you do?
1: So I am an electrical engineer. I have been, as Anthony mentioned, in engineering my whole career, which has been going on 28 years, about 27 and a half years. And I have been in the utility industry. I worked at the same company for 25 years, took a job change for a couple of years, and then made another job change about six months ago. And I'm now in the consulting realm. I was on an industry trade association board for about 10 years, which I ended up chairing for about a year, which is how I met Anthony, which has been a great gift to my life. And as both a friend and a colleague, and um, and a communication coach, he's absolutely fabulous, and I absolutely love what I do. I love the utility industry. I think it's very interesting. I think a lot of people have a misconception that it's boring and it's very traditional and it's not very interesting and that's completely not how it is at all. It's a very interesting place to be. And I also, in the last about six months, started a podcast for women in STEM, which has been the biggest joy that I have had in my work life. and. It's something that I have become extremely passionate about, telling women's stories. And I feel like we've had one spokeswoman for <laughs> women in STEM, which is Sheryl Sandberg. I hear she, like she's the only one I ever see get interviewed. And so many women have such amazing stories. And it's a complete honor to be able to share them. And that's become just an absolute passion of mine that I never thought that I would be doing something like that in my life.
0: That's fantastic. What I love about you about what you do, is that you, when we started to work around five years ago, what I recall is that you just loved what you did and you wanted to be able to share it. You wanted to be able to expand. You wanted to do it more and do good with it. And that's different than coming. A lot of people come to me with ego. It's about them. And I never got the sense it was about you. I always got the sense it was about your mission. It was about what project you can uplift, how you can spearhead something. And then needless to say, when you started the the women in STEM, that said it all.
1: When I met you and when I started working with you, I was going from doing technical presentations, which I had gotten pretty comfortable at doing, but I was going into a role where I was going to be keynoting and needed to have a stage presence in front of about a thousand people. And that was terrifying to me because I'm a very shy person. I'm introverted. And being up on a stage and being able to keep people engaged and interested, especially at a time when people have cell phones and they have so many things fighting for their attention, even when they're in a room with you, is really, really hard. And I wanted to be able to not be somebody that people are uncomfortable listening to and trying to get away from. I wanted to be able to engage and interact with my audience. And that was not something that I was comfortable doing on my own. I definitely did coaching for that. I remember. Tell us
0: your background. I'm curious, and I think the listeners would like to hear, the background that brought you into your adulthood, still not comfortable with yourself as a communicator.
1: So I was always a shy kid. I had a hard time talking with people. I was fine one-on-one. I had good friends, but I wasn't good in a group. I wasn't like the most popular person. I wasn't outgoing. I wasn't super gregarious. I found people that were similar to me. I also was very interested in school. And I think that that kind of formulates how you interact as well. Like when you're more comfortable in a classroom setting, even as a child, than you are in groups of people. I also think part of it, my my dad was a professor of engineering technology and he was a pretty quiet person. My mother, on the other hand, I will say, so she had a degree in home ec. She stayed at home for most of my life. But from a communication standpoint, I will say she was very much a stickler about using the English language properly. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that became very important to me. As I grew up, Um, And going into engineering, at that time, communications was non-existent as a subject for people that were in engineering. There was no verbal communications. There was no written communications. I had to take English classes, but they weren't on like technical writing or anything like that. And one of the things that I find very interesting is that as I progressed through my career, communication became bigger and bigger and bigger the farther I progressed. And to the point of the job that I left my position at the utility that I had been at for 25 years was completely on communications. My job was to do presentations, it was to do webinars, it was to do technical writing and write white papers. And I think things have gotten better for most colleges require verbal communications, they require presentations. One college that I had a guest on my podcast that talked about was a project based engineering program, and they were doing presentations all the time out in the community out in groups. And I think that's fabulous, because it's so important you can have the best idea in the world, but if you can't communicate it, it doesn't matter.
0: You can say that again. It sounds to me that you are a victim of your own success. Tell me if this is accurate. You were really good at what you did. And for quite a while, you didn't have to really keynote. You were able to stay somewhat insulated to an extent, but then you got really good at what you did and you got promoted. And the higher you went in the ranks of your work and the company, that demanded a different set of skills. Now you had a representative your findings. You had to represent a lot of the things that perhaps earlier on that you were maybe just doing the research on, or you were in a different position with it. Is that fair to say? Is that
1: accurate? Well, I would say that early on in my career, I knew that I was going to need to be able to communicate. My company, very early on when I joined my company, started their own Toastmasters group. And so I joined Toastmasters probably a year or two after I started my company. I did Toastmasters, but there is a difference between Toastmasters and public speaking and what the work that I did with you, I would say almost completely different, like a difference of night and day. So I would say Toastmasters helped me get comfortable. I could do technical presentations. I was fine doing that. But when I started working with you, one of the things that became really clear to me is that it was okay for me to be me and to bring myself and quit trying to be somebody else. And that, so I have to say, okay, let me just talk about one little story that became I think that the kind of highlighted this. So when I did my very first keynote, which was an acceptance speech to become chairwoman of a trade association, the power went out within five minutes of me starting to talk. Gorgeous. And <laughs> you know, five years before that, that would have completely flummoxed me and completely thrown me off. And one of the interesting things that happened, and this isn't something that I could tell at the time, but something that people told me, you know, that were there or that saw, you know, a video of it, was that that actually helped calm me, and I was able to actually, you know, I sat there and had a conversation with the people in the audience while we were waiting for the power to come back on, and things got a lot easier and being able to be yourself whatever yourself is with your audience is not something that i think that i would have gained without working with you.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know there's no substitution to your truth. There's no substitution to your authenticity. We try all the time. We do. And I don't mean just me and you. I mean the world. We're always trying to like, what could we layer on? What could we put on so we'll be accepted or it will be better and this and that. And it's sometimes it's a scary road because, well, all right, I'll go here. Makeup. Let's talk about makeup for a moment. All right. I'm not anti-makeup. I think- You're not
1: wearing any currently. (laughs) (laughs) Neither am I for that matter. No,
0: I've actually worked for some of the big cosmetic companies and they're, they're wonderful. And I think makeup is great when the person putting on the makeup is bringing out their natural features as opposed to hiding them. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. you see where I'm going? Mm -hmm. And, and when a lot of, you know, if you're putting a makeup on to hide everything, to hide everything and to hide everything, and then that's your face, well, you hid yourself, Right. But if you could put that makeup on and highlight some of the beautiful parts of you and aspects of you and however you can do it, then that's a beautiful thing. That's a really beautiful thing. And it's the same thing with communications.
1: One of the things that at least I did, and I think other people do, is they would see, oh, well, this person communicates this way. And you know, previously I would have said, I want to learn to communicate like that person, kind of like getting my hair cut on Friday. I will bring a picture. Can you make me look like this person? Well, no, they can't make you look like that person, no matter how they cut your hair. And no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to communicate like somebody else you need to be able to communicate like you and be okay with that. I think what you taught me was that it's better to be you and to be authentic and to have, you know, even some times that, you know, you might have pauses, you might have some weird things that might happen on the stage, but just be okay with that. And that taught me a hugely important lesson that has made me a much more comfortable, and I will not say completely comfortable because I still will get uncomfortable, a much more comfortable public speaker or even just you know communicated meetings or whatever it might be
0: that's great kathy that's great and being comfortable with you that allows you to really spearhead your mission you see it's like communications to me is similar to when you're riding on a plane and on the plane and you're listening to the steward or stewardess they talk about the mask you know in case the pressure goes down and they always say, put the mask on yourself first before someone else, before you can help someone else. In this communications, this is about taking care of yourself so you don't have to deal with yourself, so you can take care of your mission, the other people, the audience, the your team, whatever it is. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're the wounded walking going through all of that, and that's difficult. Many times I will work with a company and they come to me and they say, the team is broken. I listen, I look at the team and then I see, well, their leader's really broken. And it's, and it's that's where it's coming from. So what you're doing is really great. If, if you will, go back to, there was no training for you when you were going through your educational process to become an engineer. None.
1: No. Nothing.
0: So if you got it, you got it. If you did not have it, you didn't have it. Is that how it was basically?
1: I would say it's very difficult for engineers to speak in public. There's a lot of engineers that have challenges with public speaking. And I think it's probably one of the more... Painful areas to listen to because a lot of in a lot of cases engineers like to typically I don't want to be too generalist here but engineers typically like to spend time alone there a lot of them are introverted a lot of them you know are just as comfortable in a cubicle working on their own as they are working with other people and some of them don't necessarily have the best communication skills and it can be really hard to sit through technical presentations like you said like if you have it you have it if you don't you don't but I would say the majority or a lot, maybe not the majority, but a lot of engineers don't have it. And it's something that then has to be learned or should be learned or hopefully can be learned later on.
0: Do you find being a woman even adds to it or subtracts or how does that play into this whole thing you're saying?
1: Um, I would say yes and no. Um, In some cases women do get talked on top of and so i think they need to be a little bit more aggressive in being able to communicate at the same time i think i know more women who are engineers and honestly a lot of this has come out from like women i've met on my podcast i've met women engineers who keynote and that's part of their career and their and and what they do and you know they're out there putting themselves out there on purpose to be keynote speakers and I know more women that do that than I know men that do that. And I will say that you know the trade association that I was a part of, I never felt like I wasn't listened to because I was a woman. And honestly in some ways like because I was felt like I was actually celebrated for that because there weren't very many. And so it's it's not always a bad thing. Are we but I don't know that you know communication wise I think that women sometimes do have to be a little bit more aggressive just to, and I would say almost more so in like, you know, a meeting setting than at a conference, right? Because, you know, at a conference, everyone kind of has their own time, but in a meeting you might get stepped on or something like that. And you need to be able to have enough confidence to say, hey, I was talking and take that time back for yourself or speak up for some other woman who might be being talked on top of. But I would say from a public speaking standpoint, I don't see a huge difference.
0: Interesting. Good. And I recall when I was working with you for that position, you you talked about that organization. And I got to say that you were in a place that you were surrounded by a lot of real gentlemen. And that's a big deal. You're very fortunate for that as well, that you were in such a great environment.
1: Yeah, I was. And I had so much support. I don't know if I said this before, but I ended up being the first chairwoman of the organization. And it was a 70 year old organization. And I had so many men that were encouraging me to go into leadership and to pursue being the first chairwoman and so much support behind me and so many mentors and people that just became good friends, that it was a very, very supportive environment and still in contact with a lot of people from that organization. And a lot of them have become, you know, stayed friends of mine. And I'm very, I don't know if I want to say fortunate, but I'm very, I'm very, I am fortunate. That's the way that it should be. And it makes me really happy. It was a very happy time of my career.
0: Is there a different dynamic, generally speaking, I'm not speaking about very specific people overall, women to women in engineering or in STEM compared to women with men? Is there a a very dramatically different dynamic? If so, what is it?
1: (laughs) That's a funny question. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because there's so few women that there has to be because you I don't even know how to answer this because it's day-to-day life. I am almost always the only woman, or one of the only women in a room, or I guess now on a computer screen. And you get really used to that. And then... There have been, I would say, less than a handful of times that I have been in a meeting or we had a women's dinner at this trade association last year, not necessarily that we tried to. When you end up with only women, you're like, this is so weird (laughs) because (laughs) it's so unusual that it can't help but stand out because it so rarely happens. And when I say so rarely happens, like I said, I've been in, in the industry for 28 years and like, literally, I can think of two times, and they've been recent, that I have been only with women.
0: Do you find that there's a camaraderie or a higher level of competitive spirit?
1: I would say generally now I find it to be more collaborative. And um, what, did, what was the word you use?
0: Camaraderie.
1: Camaraderie. Yes. But I do think that there can be competitiveness I've had this conversation with a couple of women on my podcast, and we talked about how sometimes women think that there's only enough room for one woman at the table, and every woman wants to be that person. And so that's where competition can come about, as opposed to you know, there's room for all of us, and we need to lift each other up. It depends on what the specific women's viewpoints are themselves. I would say the people that the women that I spend my time with and the women I've had on my podcast, and they're probably on my podcast for this reason, we want to lift each other up. That's very important to us is to have that community to bring more women into STEM and to be supportive of each other and to create that community, to be each other's tribe. And that's where I see, I would say 95% of things. I don't, I don't see a lot of competition between women. I see a lot of camaraderie and a lot of trying to make the workplace better for all women.
0: Are you encouraged by what's going on today in not only with with women, but in your industry? In engineering in relationship to not only what is going on in the evolution of the work but how people are perceived their brand because i remember speaking to you off this podcast and you were saying something like the perception of what we do is different than what we do so why don't you speak a little bit about that please
1: so i think i talked about this a little bit maybe in the introduction that especially in the utility industry I think that people have this idea that engineering and utilities is very boring. It's not exciting. Actually, we would talk about this a lot in context of trying to get people to go into our industry. It's not sexy. It's not a sexy industry to people from the outside, mm. but it is super fun. It's very rewarding. I don't do the same thing from one day to another. I've had fabulous opportunities. I've traveled the world for my job, which, you know, working for a electric cooperative utility in Minnesota, and I ended up traveling to Africa. I traveled to South America. I traveled to Europe. And I mean, that was part of, you know, the trade association that I was a part of in the year that I was chairing it, but it's provided me these amazing opportunities. I've had the opportunity to meet so many people and I love the work that I do and the work that we do changes and evolves and is different. And right now it's a super exciting time to be in the electric utility industry because there's a ton of stuff going on. And I will also say, I didn't set out to be an engineer. I was planning to be an architect. And the fact that I ended up, I don't know why I say falling into this career, but kind of like be kind of by default. And I can maybe explain that a little bit in a minute coming into this career that I've absolutely loved and found such joy in and such satisfaction from. And now I'm, I'm finding a whole new facet of it with my podcast and You know, really trying to build up women and create this community for women and, uh, you know, help bring other women into the industry is a whole nother facet that I am enjoying so much. It's been an extremely rewarding career.
0: Yes, it has. I work with a lot of engineers and I work a lot in the utility industry. It's where a lot of my clients are, right? And I find it fascinating. I'm like, so what do you do? And all of a sudden, my eyes pop out of my head. You do that, you know? And yeah, yeah, and they they say it so matter of fact, and I think it's fascinating. Actually, though, when I'm coaching, though, I'm much more interested in what they're saying than what I have to say. I'm always like, you know, mm-hmm. tell me more. You know,
1: <laughs> and I think what's what's interesting is we talk about this quite a bit on our podcast. Is that, and this is also changing. But when I went into school to be an engineer, I had no idea what an engineer did, no idea whatsoever. And there's probably thirty thousand different jobs that an electrical engineer has, if not more. And so just saying you're an electrical engineer really doesn't say anything. And you can do so many different things with that degree that you have. It's extremely varied and you can change, you know, and you can leave engineering, but you still have this skill set that goes with you that is helpful, whether you're going into business or whether you're starting your own company or going into marketing or going into being a product manager or something like that. There's so many different things that you can do as an engineer that people, I don't think necessarily think about.
0: You know, you've come a very long way, a very long way. In the five years I've been working with you, you've, I can't even really say how far you come it's been you've come light years in five years now that you've really grown with your communications and you've really worked on it you're in class still every week with me now what are you able to do today that you were not able to do let's say eight years ago
1: well i would say three big things and they are big things i'm comfortable relatively giving a keynote I would never have been able to do that. I interviewed four executive positions. I would not have had the confidence for doing that previously. And I started a podcast, which I can tell you, I absolutely love doing the podcast that I do. That's for sure. I mean, podcasts didn't exist eight years ago, but it's not something that I would have thought that I would be spending my spare time because it's not my day job. It's my, it's my hobby. Absolutely loving doing and communicating as something that I'm doing in my spare time. And I will say when I'm doing my podcast, like one of the things that is really important to me, and this is something that has, I've had to learn because you probably know this about me, Anthony, I tend to interrupt people. And that was probably like my biggest communication deficit that I had and doing my podcast has really helped me quit interrupting people because my podcast is telling other women's stories. And so I need to let other people talk. And so that's been really interesting. But I will say that the three things that I just brought up, being able to do that and have the confidence to do them has been life-changing for me. That's
0: fantastic. I'd like for you to talk about your wonderful podcasts. I listen to them. I think they're great. What I love about your podcasts is that you interview a lot of women and some men that have so much integrity in what they do. The perception I get is that it's the realness that goes on in your industry. I also have to say that the fact that it's women in STEM, that's great. Tell us about your podcast and your love for it, what it's done and the types of people you've been able to interview and all that.
1: So my podcast is called ordinarily extraordinary conversations with women in STEM. And it started out because I was listening to another podcast that brought different people on and very casual interviews. And the host would have, you know, he was a celebrity, he had women in Hollywood on and they would talk about the challenges that women faced in Hollywood, because there's not a lot of women directors and things like that. And I was like, there seems so many similarities to this. And I'm like, no one shares these women's stories. And me and my friends we all have stories right they're ordinary stories of our lives but they're also extraordinary from a standpoint that in engineering and other stem fields there are so few women that even an ordinary life is extraordinary and honestly and everyone has a story to tell and i just wanted to get these women's stories out there so what i do is i interview women and i don't even like to call them interviews I have conversations with women that are in different STEM fields. So, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math at different points in their careers. I've had students on. I just had my first retiree on. I've had people from everywhere from Minnesota, which is where I live, to different parts of the United States, to the UK, to South Africa, to India. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world, where you are in your career, we have very similar situations. And some women feel very isolated and alone and being able to hear other women's stories and go, oh my gosh, I went through that same issue. I went through that same challenge to feel like they're, because like I talked about, you know, a lot of times they might be the only woman in the room. They might be the only woman in their field. They might be the only woman in their position and they don't have a community. They don't have a tribe. And I want to build that community and build that tribe for them. I want them to not feel alone it's very important to me that these conversations are authentic so we talk everything from nursing motherhood parenthood challenges you know that you have as a child what got you into engineering and then another piece that's like really important to me is talking about what we do for jobs because i talked about you know how i didn't know what an engineer did I think just being able to educate younger women on what options there are out there is really important. So, you know, they can say, oh, you know, well, this engineer does this or this engineer does that. That seems really interesting to me. And I get to bring out the passion. You know, one of the things that really ties this together, every woman that I have interviewed has a passion for what she does. Like it might not be that your day-to-day job is super exciting, but the passion that Every single woman that I have talked to feels for what they do absolutely comes out in these conversations. And for me, it's just been an absolute honor to be able to have these women on. And I have been able to meet the most amazing women. So I started out with friends and I would say the majority of the people I talk to now I have never met before. And it has been just absolutely amazing ride. I'm six months into it and loving it probably more than anything that I, it might be rivaling the year that I chaired UTC. Really? But from a completely different aspect.
0: Wow. Uh, and, it's- and I would
1: have never thought in my life that I would be doing something like this, but I, I love it. Like it's very much like my, my passion.
0: Congratulations. Congratulations. You know how happy that makes me feel. You came to me as a quiet and so self-deprecating, so, so critical. And to see you celebrate like this is fantastic.
1: Well, and to be honest, I'm not doing this on purpose, but I don't know that I would be doing my podcast if I hadn't worked with you.
0: Well, Thank you. I accept thank you. That. you know, the work that we do, Kathy, is not for everyone because it's warrior work. I can make an argument that not all, but a lot of soft skill challenges are born from staying comfortable your whole life, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And when you stay comfortable and you learn how to succeed in that comfort and who the hell wants to go outside of that and be uncomfortable. And you lived uncomfortably for years in the training.
1: Oh, God. I mean, so I want to just add this in for the listeners here. When I first came to Anthony and would work with him, I would dread my sessions. (laughs) I'd be like, can I get out of this? Can I not do this? But I also knew that if I didn't do it, then I wouldn't, you know, and I had this goal that I was working towards, I knew that I wouldn't be able to make that goal but I dreaded our sessions for a very very long time because they made me very self-conscious and like you said you know, brought out things that were very uncomfortable for me, and I and yes, I absolutely lived in that uncomfortable position for a long time. And what the listeners aren't going to see is the way that you explain this is like I'm trying to get stretch you to here, and I'm trying to keep my hands far apart here. Yeah, our hands so are right that,
0: now are about a foot apart, right now.
1: So that when you are actually delivering this, you're to here, <laughs> and now I'm probably like two inches apart. <laughs> right. But those two inches are big when you are delivering and trying to keep an audience and. And you're trying to not be a meek and quiet person and trying to engage with your audience and keep them with you.
0: Let me try to translate the the 10-inch to 2-inch thing a little bit, just for audience clarification. Basically, I believe in the work that we do, the theory is this. If you have a high level of knowledge, which, Kathy, you have an extremely high level of knowledge, and your delivery isn't as high, there's something very clear to me. In my mind. And that is, you have a great story. It's just not able to come out yet. And when you could liberate yourself emotionally, physically, psychologically, intellectually, that's what that 10 is. When you do these exercises that liberate yourself to a 10, when you come back to a 2, it's a 2 with a lot of air on top of it. That 2 is big. You know, that 2 that when you come down from that, it is. It is huge. And that's what a lot of people get uncomfortable with. They don't want to stretch. They don't want to stretch emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, and physically. They want to stay where they were. They want to think it out. They want to figure it out in their brain. And the thing is, is that communication is not something you do. It's an experience to embrace. And if you see it as an experience that you embrace, that you have, and not just something you do, then you realize that you have a responsibility to actually have an experience. And are you able to have that experience? Are you comfortable enough to have that experience? Are you self-accepting enough to have that experience or not? And if not, you're going to have a lot of problems. And you stretched, you stretched. I don't want to just, you know, be here patting you on the back all afternoon, but you did a lot of stretching. And I have to say, a lot of people do not want to do that. They simply don't want to do it.
1: Well, I will say I did not want to do it. (laughs) But <laughs> you did. I also knew how important it was and is.
0: I'm glad you got it because now you're you're reaping the rewards from it.
1: Well, except now I feel like people are going to think I'm like this great communicator and great speaker and I still struggle and I still feel uncomfortable. And you know, I'm not someone who's like, oh, let me up on the stage. It's my favorite place to be, but I'm okay being there. But I, I still have work to do.
0: Kathy, this is great. You've come such a long way. Tell our listeners what's next.
1: The world is my oyster, right? I'm not limited by the fact that I'm female. I'm not limited by the fact that I can't communicate. I am empowered to do what I want to wherever that happens to lead me, which right now I just, I don't know. And I'm trying to figure that out. But what I have is the abilities and skills to do whatever I want to do, whatever that path ends up looking like. And I would say the other thing is that for me, it's finding something that Is life giving and that feeds my soul, and that I have passion about with that has become extraordinarily clear to me.
0: I want to just say this um, in coming full circle, Kathy, this is what I'm talking about that I think is one of the most attractive qualities about you. And that is, you never came to training to be what's because you wanted more swag, because you wanted to be this polished person that wanted to do the circuit and it'd be about you. You never did. You always came because you wanted to figure out how to do more good with your work, your knowledge, with uh, women in STEM, engineering, the organization that you chaired. This is a great thing because it's missing. When a lot of my clients come to me, they come to me, they say their ego is not involved, but baloney. And I'll tell you why. Some of them are so broken that they are trying so hard to deal with their broken ego that their ego is completely involved, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So with you, yeah, you were working on it. You weren't terribly secure and comfortable. But what was much more important than your ego was your mission and was your work. So I applaud you. And there's, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, who Simon Sinek is, he's um, very popular today. And he wrote quite a few books on what is your why. And when I read his book, he said it several times throughout the book, in different ways. And that is, People don't buy what you do. They buy Mm. why you do it. And that's why you're attracting these great people into your life because of why you're doing it and why you're doing what you're doing is much more attractive than being polished at doing it. And I'm sure you're quite polished as well, but it's really why you're doing it that I think is fantastic. So congratulations. You're wonderful. Keep the good work up and you're welcome back
1: Thanks, Anthony. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend some more time talking with you again.
0: This has really been great. And I look forward to many more conversations, many more podcasts. Listeners out there, until next time, it's Anthony Vincent Bova. Have a wonderful day. You've just listened to Empowering the Communicator, hosted by Anthony Vincent Bova. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please like and subscribe to this channel on your preferred podcast platform. And to know more about Anthony and his coaching, please visit edgeworksoftskills.com.